0: Welcome to Plato's Cave. I'm Jordan Myers, and I'm a master's student in philosophy at the University of Houston. You're listening to a reading group episode of the show, which means that in this episode, I discuss political philosophy with two non-philosopher friends, Adam and Giffen, because philosophy shouldn't just be for philosophers. So with that introduction, please enjoy our discussion of political philosophy. Okay, well, I mean, I'll put my cards on the table. I I liked this paper. <clears throat> well, it's, I mean, it's not even really a paper; it's like a pamphlet. Um, and I should say we're we're discussing um, uh, "Estranged okay. Labor" by Karl Marx, which was a. I, if I'm if I have this right, it was actually an unpublished manuscript of his that was later kind of discovered and, and aired. And that's why it differs in a lot of ways from the communist manifesto, because I think angles, his kind of writing partner didn't have a hand or as much of a hand in this. This uh, is very early Marx. Yeah. 1844. So he's writing in Germany and coming out of the industrial revolution at that point. Uh, and apparently a lot of these kind of ideas show up in more developed form in the communist manifesto. So this one is the estranged labor is very generalized. Um, but
1: <laughs> when did he move? When did he move to London? What year was that?
0: I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I I thought that it would be. Usually, we don't say this kind of stuff. I actually thought it'd be fun because Adam, you and I were talking about this when we decided what to, uh, you know, do next as the paper, and we were both motivated by the concern of, you know, there there are like. <laughs> There are popularizers of these kinds of topics like jordan b peterson who yeah, yeah who and you and i are annoyed to no end at people who think that they understand either marx or marxism which you know i don't even think marxism is like a huge i mean estranged labor is obviously i can see how it founds the idea but it seems pretty separable in a lot of ways from it but you and I have no patience for the type of person who, without reading a word of Marx, will then go on to say, there's nothing right with Marxism or, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's like a guy like, I actually have like less of an issue with a guy like Peterson talking about Marx if he's claimed to have read Marx. Like if he's... If he in fact has read Marx and then gives his opinion on Marx, that's fine. That's fine. fine. But but the issue is with the fans who mm. listen to Peterson discuss Marx and then think that they themselves understand yes. Marx. It's like <clears throat> just just read the paper. This was ten pages. Ten pages. It's <clears throat> ten pages. Read the paper. And it's, so, and I mean, it's
0: ten narrowly bordered pages. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's, You sit down and you can just kind of churn through this, especially if you're not making notes to do a podcast in 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like not... I don't know. I have a creeping suspicion that Peterson himself hasn't read much of Marx because you'll notice that he never... You know how it's natural? I mean, we always do it. When you're critiquing or even discussing someone, you use their language.
1: Yeah, that's true. Peterson
0: never uses any language of Marx's.
1: That's a really good point because it's, it's like you once defining their terminology you want to use their words yeah when discussing them like we we would never like discuss strawson but then not bring up reactive attitudes how could we it's like, impossible. like, like yeah, you table. would assume we hadn't read strawson if like no, no. so uh, yeah uh, p- And
0: we'd be making fundamental errors as Peterson is want to do about like, it's not even how to critique people, but what they even said. I mean, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit ridiculous. Um, But that was, I mean, we, and that is to say, we might follow this up with the communist manifesto. I guess it depends on the end of the episode, but we kind of wanted to know for ourselves, okay, you know, what is Marx's idea of estranged labor and what do we think of it? So that's why we're reading this. Um, And (laughs) I don't know. I mean, (laughs) a lot of this will come up, but especially for you and me, Adam, I mean, we're in a very strange transition period in our work careers uh, and our work labs. Right. So I, 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 I know for me, this, <clears throat> this is probably the time where I might be most amenable to this paper, uh mm-hmm. trying to leave a field that I think is deeply estranged and go into one that maybe has in philosophy, maybe has the best kind of bulwark against this problem. Um, but we can get into that sure
1: i do okay I guess like before we kind of like hop into this paper, what did you guys actually think about? It's not just the writing style of this paper, mm. but what did you think about Marx's ability to actually expand on any of his ideas
0: in this like, paper? Was poor, yeah, yeah.
1: Because do you think, like, I I don't know how you felt, given <laughs> as well, but like I felt like he would say things in an axiomatic way, mm. but mm. I almost wanted him to kind of like dive deeper in and kind of like defend that statement. But there weren't a lot of like defenses. There were a lot of like axioms of like, this is the way things are. And it's, and perhaps it's, it was taken maybe a little more clearly, like in a scenario in which everyone was already privy to the conditions of that period. It was like, okay, well, this is just evidently true, but it's some things, I mean, we'll get into the paper, obviously, but I didn't think things were well substantiated. I don't know
2: yeah no i i agree with the sentiment i think the paper um suffered from you know some sort of issue i don't know if it's just the fact that it was a you know unpublished manuscript i don't know if it was like the audience was very particular who he's writing to i I don't know but i agree like it was it was flawed in a couple
0: ways Mm -hmm. um And also from 1844. So it's not, he wasn't submitting this to mind or something, you know? I mean, there's no, there's no peer review going into this. You kind of have to assume.
1: And we'll also get into this as well. And I'm just going to be like, once again, I'll put my cards on the table. Mm. I didn't understand every part of this paper either. Yes. Like there, there were points of it where I, I, I did read this paper twice, but there were paragraphs where I felt like I was required to fill in the details of what he meant and i was able to kind of get an idea of like okay this is what he means but it's actually not clear to me that's what he meant so i i don't know and once again like like you guys have already said possibly is due to the fact that it's an unpublished manuscript but i don't know we can hop into it
0: i think this reads a lot like what i imagine a letter So, so if I wrote you guys an email or something about a topic that we had discussed before, and then that email surfaced 200 years later, and it was read with no context, that's kind of what this reads like.
2: Yeah. Whenever I mentioned the audience, I kind of was like, you know, I have to try to give it the benefit of the doubt, it's an an unpublished, you know, unknown audience. Mm. You can at least give it some slack. Um, But I also, I guess we'll get into it as well, but I, I'm guessing Adam also agreed, I think I had some trouble with some of the, some of the
0: uh, fundamental
2: ideas as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So it seems like we've got a good spectrum uh, with thoughts about the paper because so, and this could be interesting. It might even come down to how we interpreted things. So that'll be okay. Huge. Okay. So one, one kind of term to get on the table, because again, this is also a bit archaic and arcane with some of the terminology he uses. And it's probably germane to the time and all those caveats. Right. so, mm. He, he is talking about, he uses this term a dozen, a dozen, dozens of dozens of times, political economy. Right. And I kind of had to look this up. But what I, what I'm taking that to mean is the private capitalist ownership of property. Is that right, Giffen? Well, political economy, I think is. Fundamentally, just an
2: old way to describe economics. So it's even broader Mm -hmm. than that. But of course, the the system that he's critiquing is (laughs) the one of the, you know, formed, you know, at this point, decently well-formed capitalist society.
0: Okay. Okay. So So you're basically correct. But the term
2: political economy, it was just used by the early economists to describe the economy before the term economics came
0: into early effect. So it would be like if I wrote you an email and I referred to the market, there's many types of markets. But obviously, if I'm referring to the market, I'm talking about the U.S. market there or something, right?
2: Something like that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: So, so whenever, I, really, if you just substitute political economy for either like capitalism or the like modern economics, like you'd get the same picture.
0: Yeah. So I take Marx's main point in this manuscript to be, he's developing this concept of alienation and estrangement <laughs> from the perspective of someone engaged in the vicissitudes of daily life in the political economy. And he, you know, he, he lays out several ways in which workers have been, estranged or alienated, which is to say, kind of separated in a deep way from their labor and from the product of that labor, in a way that he thinks is a really bad thing. And I don't, I don't really know that there's too much more summary that I need to say because
1: no, I I think you do because I think he goes farther, right? Because because he's challenging. Oh, that's true. The the concept of private property in this paper as well.
0: (laughs) Yes, although I didn't take that to be the main point of the paper but maybe we just read it differently
1: i think i think so because that's how he concludes okay. where he talks about yeah, even if you yeah. were to equalize wages that, you know and yeah you you still you know are under a system in which you know mm-hmm. people work almost in a collective capitalistic system mm-hmm. and he really does uh i mean we can get into some of the quotes of the but i think yeah. he, he says like at the basis like he I starts a... saying like we presupposed private property, and he concludes saying, mm. you know, private property is ultimately um, an unfounded uh kind of detriment in society. Yeah. So I, I, that's how I interpreted this. What do you, What did you think of him?
2: Yeah. So I, I mean, hopefully we don't mind. It's this is a bit of a jump, but just one of the comments that it might help clarify for you know all of us um about the relationship of private you know, well, the importance of private property, he says. Um, sorry, um, it therefore follows for us that wages and private property or, are identical. And then he later mm. says in the same sentence, wages are only a necessary consequence of the estrangement mm. of labor. So mm-hmm. tying those two parts of a sentence together, it, <laughs> he does critique it, um, like the concept of private property, clearly. Um, I don't know that necessarily you would call the conclusion that, you know, he's not screaming, you know, private property is theft, Um, but he is uh... saying there is a serious like issue alluding to the fact that, you know, that is a foundation that we have that needs to be critiqued.
0: I also think theoretically, the diagnosis of the problem is, is it doesn't entail the solution that he provides also, right? Oh, certainly. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, because I, I would hope so. Because I found his diagnosis of the problem to be nearly perfect, but I wouldn't agree at all with his solution. Right. So I'm not. Yeah. Well, I guess we can, do we want to go through this like um, from the beginning? Or yeah, I was going to. S- between ideas. Oh, I was going to say I'd I'd actually like to maybe let's just focus on his diagnosis of a of the of a problem. With society first, yeah, because absolutely. I, I do, I don't know, I do think we're all going to be pretty quick to say, obviously, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't absolve the concept of private property. Like I, well,
2: hold that thought.
0: <laughs> Giffen comes out as Marxist. <laughs> you're like, you're like communist. <laughs> Once I
2: read a strange labor,
0: <laughs> I didn't, well, I didn't re- read it, but yeah. I read the title. Yeah. <laughs> I read the title, <laughs> uh, Peterson style. Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty sure "estranged" meant "strange." So,
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: I, <laughs> I was... yeah,
2: I read "Strange Labor." Of course, I did. <laughs> strange. <laughs> it is very odd if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Your yeah. Peterson
0: fans applauding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No so, let's, Um. So. Uh, I, this is almost hard. I mean, it's, it's almost hard to kind of even get it on the table. He, I mean, he has this one he, part, part of his diagnosis of the problem is that he says the worker sinks to the level of a commodity, And moreover, the most wretched commodity of all, that the misery of the worker is an inverse proportion to the power and volume of his production. That the necessary consequence of competition is the accumulation of capital in a few hands, and hence the restoration of monopoly in a more terrible form. And that finally, the distinction between capitalist and landlord, between agricultural worker and industrial worker, disappears, and the whole of society must split into two classes of property owners and propertyless workers. Now- Mm. So to even, even kind of separate it more than both his diagnosis, the problem and the solution, I'm, I might even be less interested, although it's still interesting in, in his diagnosis of how we reached this problem, because he said, he says it's like, you know, he, he kind of makes motions towards it's the idea that it's naturally resulting from competition or from capitalism. I, I don't even know that that's necessarily the case. Like I, I mean, I don't disagree with it, but I'm just not, I don't know that I'm in a position to really be able to dive into that debate. If, if we want to dive into like how he got to these
2: conclusions, we're going to have to read something other than estranged labor. I yeah. mean, the the whole, um,
0: historical materialism is like what would need to be reviewed. The only two texts that I was really thinking about a lot when I was reading this was the Bertrand Russell paper that we read. Um, um, In Praise of Idleness, and this really, really good book uh, that I read by David Graeber, Bullshit Jobs. I think I've told you guys about it it in parts before, at least. So those were kind of percolating at the top of my mind. And I don't know what you guys focused on, but a big focus on me was just, okay, if we almost take like a blind snapshot of where we are now, now slash 1844, is his diagnosis of the problem an accurate one? And I very kind of like eerily thought, yes, it's kind of, he, he, he was prophetic in a lot of ways, I think. Well,
1: yeah, I, I think, I don't think, know if it
2: was the, Oh, oh go ahead. Give
1: him.
2: Well, I was going to say, I think it's less prophetic and more diagnostic because at the time, this mm. was certainly like very, very obviously here. Like, um, that's true. He, he didn't need to like, predict much right i you can i mean you can critique marks pr- yeah. almost primarily based on his you know failed predictions
0: um let me revise my statement it's eerie how much his critique still holds today yes, yes. that
2: that if that's your statement then i yes. it's to some extent um now the individual <laughs> aspects of the diagnosis is where i think we we're going to have disagreement mm-hmm. um if it's you know if we're just kind of like looking at it like stepping way back and Thinking to ourselves, you know, is it true that, um, you know, in the capitalistic system, um, labor is alienated, you know, from the product of the labor and from, you know, fellow man as a consequence. Mm. Like that seems that seems about right. Um, but the, uh, he actually makes like four separate points, some mm. of which seem to rely on things that I I don't know that I agree with. Yeah. And then secondarily to that. Um, I'm I'm not sure. Adam, do you want to? No, no, no.
1: I didn't know there was
2: the second part to that thought. Oh, yeah. No, the second part. You can definitely talk next. I was just going to kind of summarize here my overall thoughts. So the the second part was, I don't know. I'm actually not entirely sure if he's saying this is the problem or this is like Mm. a problem because he doesn't really take the perspective um, of like, you know, there's no trade-off analysis or like or even just like not even like lip service to the idea of mm. you know an actual like you know cost benefit analysis or just, you know just deciding whether of course yeah it, it, he's basically saying like this is a problem I mean naturally almost like he's saying you know <laughs> he's not saying consequences be damned he's like th- he's holding up this like the idea of the estrangement of labor as like just in evil mm. right like, a, it's, like, a sin against the idea of mankind, right?
3: Mm.
2: And, the anyways, Adam, you had some thoughts as well. I'm sorry. Well, it's
1: just, like, I feel like with this paper, if we want to do this properly, I, I, I want to go through, like, you know, like Jordan just read that little section right there. Mm. I want to, like, actually analyze what he's saying here. Because I'm not sure I even I agree with that. Because, mm. like, because like, Jordan read that the misery of the worker is an in inverse proportion to the power and volume of his production. Like that part right there. I don't think like that, I, that's, I,
0: that rings true in all cases. Yeah.
1: Well, it's like, it's like, I, I get the concept where it's like, okay, say you're an Amazon worker <laughs> and you're someone who's working 70 to 80 hours a week. Like the more hours and the harder you work doing a job you don't like, which he expands on later in the paper. It's the fact that you're unhappy while you're doing it. Of course that's gonna lead to misery, right? Yeah. But I guess I guess like the thing I'm wondering about based on what you just read there is there's this this dichotomy that he kind of brings about where you've got the property owners and property list workers. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was really true, like in like the 1840s, right? Where you had, you know, factory workers and management. Yeah. But I, I just I just wonder now, doesn't there seem to be more of like a gradient now where it's it's couldn't you be an upper level management, but you're not you're not necessarily you don't own a significant you know, part of the company, mm. but I'm not sure that your work is necessarily miserable at that point, you are a worker. But yeah. you're not you're not really a property owner. But I, I just I wonder how much this holds to
0: today.
2: Jordan, I had a quick question. Where was this quote taken from? What page? Oh, uh, the comment, first, first bottom paragraph.
0: of the first paragraph. Yeah, it was. It's very much like an introductory quote, and it's you know he takes a big swing with it because it's an introductory quote.
2: Okay, well maybe we should just go through it um, past like the introduction because I did have some specific comments, um, but it would probably be more appropriate at a time where he lays out like distinctly his four like critiques. Yeah. Um, cause that's, I do have a comment about that. Um, I think I just, dis- I had a different interpretation, I guess, from what you interpreted it to mean.
1: I will right, well, so, in the second paragraph here, like if we look at what he hops into next here, he says political economy proceeds from the fact of private property. So we yeah. can kind of substitute in, you know, the economics kind of, um, largely defined by capitalism proceeds from the fact of private property it does not explain it it grasps Mm -hmm. the material process of private property the process through which it actually passes in general and abstract formula which it then takes as laws
2: and then it does not comprehend these laws is Mm -hmm. the the next part which i think is important i think i mean to me this kind of made sense um basically the current system we have was allowed through our innovation of private property, um, which is distinct from like a natural phenomenon. It was you know, created, but it doesn't just, its existence doesn't justify itself is what I took this to mean, which is fair enough.
0: You know?
1: Yeah. I, I actually totally agree with that. Cause like he, he's, I, I like how the, the next line you just read there actually clarifies mm. that where it says yeah, it does not like show the how most... they arise from the nature of private property. So it's like, mm. okay, you know assuming private property you don't get capitalism necessarily from Mm -hmm. the assumption of private property doesn't necessarily arise from that so um so i agree with that
0: yeah yeah. like so as we move into like you know the 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 individual parts of alienation i do think i mean there there is like a um there's like a peterson-esque way that someone could read this where it's like okay you know. I think uh, Marx is making a a ubiquitous claim, and you know one that's like you can't find a, a an exception to. But then, if you're reading Mark, you know Mar- a Strange Labor like that, it's obviously going to be wrong, right? Like I I didn't take Marx in a, in a whole way to be saying like this is how it must be, and there are no exceptions to it, but rather saying. Because, because, you know, you're right, Adam, like a lot of the ways in which society has developed have created, I think, exceptions, but also importantly, gradations of all of these problems. And, you know, like to point to, I'm obviously not accusing you of this, but I was just saying like, um, there's like a Peterson-esque way to critique this, where it's like, a counter example, and then falsify the, where it's like, no, well, yeah, 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 like some people have escaped this problem, but it's. It's like, whoa, that 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 doesn't mean the problem doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Let's I, I've got one thing. And then to be honest, we can skip into where he starts with um, we'll start out from present-day economic fact, because that's where I think it, it really starts to get interesting. Yeah. He uses kind of some like rhetoric. Um, so we can <clears didn't throat> skip to like the important parts of like the proposal or the premises or the theory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh so this is on page two of our manuscript which i'll link in the description i forgot to say that um <clears throat> so okay i don't know this was i kind of had to stop myself from writing down examples that I, that either from my personal history or like people i know or like just kind of things that i'm aware of right so he he starts off by saying, so, so let's start from a present day economic fact. And I, this was a little bit of what I was talking about where if he's like, okay, screenshot here, what, what is wrong? <clears throat> Not necessarily like, how has it gone wrong or how should we fix it? But just first like, you know, s- snapshot of what is wrong. And he says that uh, the worker becomes poorer, the more wealth he produces, the more his production increases in power and extent. The worker becomes an even cheaper commodity, the more commodities he produces. Continuing, labor not only produces commodities, it also produces itself and the workers as a commodity and does so in the same proportion in which it produces commodities in general. So <laughs> this reminded me of the Brussels paper uh, where <clears throat> I don't remember his example, but it's like if, if a worker invents a better way or he figures out a better way to make bowls he he is gonna make more bowls and thus he kind of almost devalues himself because there's still one of him but there's like x number more of bowls or whatever right or or russell makes this point where if um you know if if some line worker on like in, in an apple plant or whatever like figures out a way to like make this one part of an iPhone quicker. He's not actually going to, if he makes 50% more, he's not going to work half the time. He's going to make double the parts and still work the exact same amount of time. So like the, this is, and this leads to the next quote where he says that like the effort or the work, it it creates, excuse me, creates the product. And it's actually, it's viewed as an input itself. Uh, because you know, we we care about the product. So it makes the work and thus the worker a mere input. It, they're, they're a means to an end. And um that that is where kind of the basis of estrangement and alienation comes. And and he lays it out in the next paragraph. Or sorry, did I someone about to say something?
1: I, I was just I was just thinking about that. I mean, I I once again it's like I don't want to get trapped in the idea of like thinking of exceptions with these mm-hmm. things, right? It's just, I just, I'm thinking like, is this an accurate view? Like if you mm. become an efficient Amazon worker, are you devaluing yourself? Because I mean, at that point there is greater value in what you're doing. Therefore you'll be recognized for the value that you are know producing for the company might get a promotion. Yeah. Might escape that medial work. I just I guess so, like so you're
2: critiquing specifically the idea of like the inverse proportionality.
1: Yes. Like the more you
2: work. So I at first blush, I think those critiques make sense that you're giving Adam. But I think what he's actually doing here is like these statements only make sense after applying what he says in like the next couple pages where mm. he describes, he defines like what he means, like what constitutes the actual loss. I think what he's mm. saying here, this is what I meant to say before is the, because the, and this is like part that's kind of unclear. So I might be totally off base, but I think he's saying like the fact, like for, we, we can learn this later. The fact that it is, you know, alienating is the negative that, is entailed with labor. And so the it's just a very straightforward relationship. If you work more, you get more of that negative thing. Hmm. So it's not really a proportional kind of, it's more like, you know, because there's a negative thing associated with this, doing more of this gets more of a negative thing. That's how I kind of interpreted it. But that was only after kind of filling it back in, right? Because it's not yeah. it's not clear right off the like right off the um right at the start of this. Um, Which is kind of unfortunate because he's, we shall start off from a present day economic fact is kind of like, "Mm, well, (laughs) yeah,
1: (laughs) I, I, I get, I get what you're saying there. Like, I understand that, um, you know, at the very
2: least, it was confusing at worst. I think he's, you know, wrong at best. He's just, you know, mis
0: misordered. can, Can I actually ask something real quick before we continue? I kind of forget. Can you guys like, this is just for me. What Uh, cause like I, I had, you know, a couple of those classic shitty, you know, just like labor jobs in high school and everything. Like I had that one job where I was stocking, uh, um, uh, like just, just, yeah. So I was (laughs) working for Epstein. Uh, (laughs) uh, no, I was like stocking supplies at like that pet store. And I worked at the ice cream parlor. And I mean, even before that, like I mowed grass and stuff. And then in college I had a couple, uh, more like office jobs. And one of those was really good. The, the one I had like in, in later college. And then now I have just like, you know, a regular industry job, um, classic desk engineering work job. But like, I, I can't, I honestly can't remember your guys' work history with that.
1: Um, I mean, I worked at the bakery. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I did construction work. Um, I worked at two restaurants.
3: Oh, that's I've, right. Yeah.
1: I delivered pizza at a pizza place and um i did like that little painting gig <laughs> and, <laughs>
0: that was criminal.
1: yeah that was that was literally the worst thing i ever did and that was only, <laughs> only lasted a month it was like a summer um, yeah <laughs> yeah and um you know just worked for my dad and just yard work and, and stuff and, oh yeah. and then like the uh when i worked in the lab Ooh,
3: right
2: that's right so, yeah yeah i've also had <laughs> some you know menial jobs um I worked in kitchens um, as a lot attendant for a car dealership, um, at a grocery store as well. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. So, I forgot yeah, about I, that second one.
0: And then also in a lab setting, that's what I do now. But you know what's you know. interesting? Because I, I was thinking about this with respect to like me a lot, obviously, because like everyone does. It's interesting to keep in mind. So. There's a way in which a lot of really, really basic jobs, like a lot of the ones that we had, are very, very straightforwardly analogous to the classic, just like factory worker job. And then there's kind of that tier above it, where it's in a lot of ways, what not as much you, Adam, you're actually an interesting case with respect to this, but... I would, I would say so, too, because a lot of the things uh, I've yeah, done... Yeah, the tutoring yeah, company, is like, that's different, actually. Yeah, and I think, yeah. I, I wonder if kind of genealogically, that's why you like this a little bit less, it seems.
1: That's very possible.
0: I'm, I'm actually <laughs> um, wondering... He's like, he
2: critiques the bourgeoisie.
0: <laughs> well, that's I not deserve. even like, because I'm actually interested. One of the reasons why I was so interested to talk to you guys is like, I I feel like I am target number one for this paper, and I suspected that Adam wouldn't be able to relate a lot to it because of where you are now.
1: I didn't relate a lot to it. So that's okay, (laughs) what I'm, what I,
0: okay, what I really want to talk to you guys about is I think that there's been this, like, actually very sinister and obsequious twist to to what he's been talking about with a lot of those mid-level jobs, right? Because there's a way in which the really, really basic shitty jobs are a lot like the factory ones and a way in which a lot of the managerial CEO jobs are a lot like the factory owners. But there's this weird, and I, I don't, we, well, I mean, obviously I have a bunch of notes on this and everything, but there's this weird way in which all of those middling jobs, like the office engineer, the architect like the dentist well the dentist is actually a little bit closer like manual labor um you know just like like a software programmer all of those kind of jobs they on their face look like they escape a lot of these things but i actually wonder if in a very backhanded and twisted way they succumb e- equally if not more in some certain ways to these but i, I just i i want to get to those but i i don't know i'm very i'm very interested to hear Adam your reaction to what maybe like I'll have to say about those middling jobs.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I've never worked one of those.
0: I know right? which is which yeah. is weird actually. Like that's a weird like if yeah, you yeah. if you do just like go straight through law school and succeed and everything and you miss that weird middle portion, I think you're going to be among Heavily critiqued by Jordan. Well, I think think you're going to be among like one or 2% of the population who's never had one of those middling level jobs. Mm, Sorry, that's a a huge over. You're going to be part of 1% of people who end up in the top echelon who haven't experienced the middle because obviously the majority of people never even reach that middling portion because like most of the economy is still truckers and like service people and all that kind of stuff, you know?
1: Sure,
3: sure,
0: but um, yeah, so
1: I'll, I'll have to keep that in mind too, when I mean I'm just not in a position to <clears throat> you know sympathize with every point being made here, of
0: course, so so okay, back to the text um, so he says in the paragraph after the one I quoted, this is where he really gets kind of the idea of estrange- estrangement or alienation off the table. He says this fact <clears throat> simply means that the object that labor produces, its product, stands opposed to it as something alien, as a power independent of the producer. Continuing on, this realization of labor appears as a loss of reality for the worker, objectification as a loss of and bondage to the object, and appropriation as estrangement, as alienation. So that that is where he... (laughs) roughly to say the least defines what he's talking about by estrangement or alienation, where there's this, there's this separation of, of the person from the, and this is the first level because he gets into more, but there's this separation and almost an adversarial relationship that develops between the person and his work. Right. Um, And like I said, because, because (laughs) it's almost, He goes on to talk about this, but because because what matters is the effort, the person is viewed as almost an input. They're a source of that effort. They're not actually an end in and of themselves. They're like a means to that end. And that's a way in which you're alienated from your labor. Um,
1: I kind of read that similar too in the sense that... um, Kind of the show goes on either way, because it's mm-hmm. like, like this fact simply means that the object that labor produces its product stands opposed to it as something alien as a power independent of the producer. Yes. So it's almost like um, if you're viewing it, you know, uh, if you're viewing labor as an input, <laughs> it's not any specific person, you know, because you can yep. be replaced by any other specific input. Yep. So it's, you make up a simple input um, in the production of an object,
0: so so the, like the obvious way in which that's true <clears throat> is no one cares who or how the shelf gets stocked as long as it's stocked by the time the store is open, right? But what I was talking about before is there's also a very sinister and back uh, underhanded way that like take like take engineering as like the field, for instance no one really actually cares who makes the pro- like the design or how they make it all that matters at the end of the day is that the product is functional and that it makes profit for the company it actually doesn't intrinsic in the product is not that i made it versus someone else it, and this is like this is the really this is the part that actually i think is is bad about that middling level that's not the case for the lower level When I create a successful design, it sort of in like an almost um, ex machina way becomes an entity in itself. As soon as I create something, that product has power over me now because I'm responsible for it. Right. It's like, as soon as I create, like, you know, if I create like a new product for, for a company and I was the engineer behind it, I am now subservient to the maintenance of that prod product securing the raw materials to make it like I met you actually create your own. He he makes a lot of like analogies to religion, but it's true. Like you create your own God and then you're forced to serve it in those middling level jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a danger to it, to the middling level jobs in a way that is not present in the lower level ones. Obviously not to say that I wouldn't, I, I would, I would not rather be packing shelves obviously, but. Uh,
1: and, I, and I get what you're saying too. Like, I'm just, I'm just thinking about it right now because I yeah. understand that like, if you were involved in a project that produced something that was highly, you know, profitable for the company, suddenly that object is much yes. more important than you.
0: Yes. Like that's look, that's I'll without cut. a doubt true. I'm, this this episode is going to be heavily edited obviously, but look, like for real, this part of the cut. If I, were to create a new design and a circuit breaker, that thing fucking owns me now. Like I, if I were to create a totally new circuit breaker, I dude, that would be one of the worst possible things I could do for real. Because like what would happen is I would not have any of my current responsibilities lifted from me. What would happen is I would have an additional one added to me. Like that's, it goes back to the Russell point. No one ever gets freed of anything. You just maintain or get things added on to you. And then there's yeah. that, there's that way in which when you climb the ladder and like, like Marx doesn't explicitly go into this, but honestly, like when you get farther and farther away from those responsibilities of that creation, you just get alienated in like a completely different way. Like managers at, at companies like, like this, I do. They like, they exist in this state where they're not actually doing anything, really. I mean, they're not like doing anything in a rewarding way. They're it's taking just,
2: the heat from the like the lower laborers for the company.
0: Kind of. I mean, usually the heat just gets blasted down on the people on the front lines. You know what I mean? It's like that. So, well, I guess this naturally goes to the next paragraph. Um, he says. Work itself becomes an object which he can only obtain through an enormous effort and with spasmodic interruptions. So much does the appropriation of the object appear as estrangement that the more objects the workers produce, the fewer he can possess and the more he falls under the domination of his product of capital. So, like, dude, this, this range is so true to me because the, the what he's saying... I, I took him to be saying is the worker themselves, they even start to care about the work, not the product. It's like, so you, you don't even do things because they make sense to do, or because you want to do them, or because you think the outcome is going to be good, but because you have to work like, because we're so dependent on work for the rest of our lives. I mean, dude, even like fucking health insurance in the U S is connected to your job. Right? Like, you actually start to not care about the reasonableness of the work. You just work. So it's like, it's like, it's a further alienation from your, from your rational capacities almost. It's like this, this doesn't make sense, but I have to work. So it's just, and, and I don't know, like anyone who's had an office job can relate to, you can't, even if, if you go and like so many things don't make sense, you can't raise all of those things because no one's going to want to fix them. So then it's like, what, what do you do in that scenario? Well, you just, you have to collect this paycheck. So you just buckle down and work that. Yeah. Cause that's, that's kind of the first part because he's about to move to the second one. I don't know if we have any more thoughts about the, the first part. Just briefly, like reading through this,
2: um, you know, once and twice, I, I kind of understood generically what he was kind of aiming for but i didn't it didn't really resonate with me like the kind of specific things he was saying for this part Hmm. um even though i I feel like i would be a target of this um i feel like perhaps
0: um you don't relate to any of those things i mean
2: it depends like in some regard yeah but i don't like it seemed like kind of narrative like what he was describing here and it wasn't like Strictly tied or entailed by what he had claimed previously, um, mm-hmm. like yeah, like whenever you were, you know, explain like, do you care a little bit less about the object whenever you're working, like because it, you know it's just for mm-hmm. sustenance, like yeah, like I think that's completely natural. But I'm not sure that's ex- like that's what that's all that he was trying to say in like the
1: paragraphs.
0: No, no, I don't and think I, it was I, I either,
1: not, and I'm not sure I understand it like fully still, like. Like the first part of like, I understand of that paragraph, like Mm -hmm. so much does the realization of labor appear as loss of reality that the worker loses his reality to the point of dying of starvation. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. So much does objectification appear as loss of the object that the worker is robbed of the objects he needs most, not only for life, but also for work. I think I understand that one, Mm. but it moves into this. And I'm not actually under, I'm not sure I understand Mm. him. Work itself becomes an object, okay, fine, mm-hmm. which he can only obtain through enormous effort and with spasmodic interruptions. Totally agree, but it's this final sentence. Okay. <laughs> so much does the appropriation of the object appear as estrangement, a, as a that the more objects the worker produces, the fewer he can possess, mm. and the more he falls under the domination of his product of capital.
0: Can I take a swing at it? Sure. Yeah. yeah this, I may agree or disagree. Okay. I think this is what I was talking about. So when he says an appropriation of the object, that means again, so the object is the work again. And that's what I was talking about before, where the work is viewed as an input, right? And it's appropriated yeah. by people above you. Now that begins to appear as estrangement because the more someone produces, the, f- the less he can possess. What I think he means by that is what i was talking about before where if you if you and i actually think that this rings more true to those middle level people than the lower but basically like when you do your job well and you create sort of new products or or new tools or new ways of doing things you you actually possess control of those things less because they domineer over you, he falls under the domination of his product of capital so when you When you make a company money in the in in like really perverse set cases i guess uh, i don 't know if they 're the majority or whatever but when you make something new for a company, you lose dominion over that and it dominates you. So that's how you possess less and less of the product. You're, you're not in control of any of it. Yeah, I think that's Is, the part that's hard to relate to.
1: Yeah, maybe, just, maybe like, if I the,
2: produce like specific designs of a product that I can kind of like materialize in front of me, it might be a little bit different. My line of work isn't quite like that. Mm hmm. Um, but like I don't, well, it's hard to relate I, to that sense of falling under the domination of my product.
0: And Adam, you're you're. I mean, like running a urine tutor company is like a na- is is anathema to all of this. It doesn't it doesn't even because the you're actually Marx talks about this in the Communist Manifesto. You're actually more like a you existed in like much more of the feudal state in a good way <laughs> because like <laughs> because you're actually you're like a tradesman almost. Like he 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 talks a lot about tr- like tradespeople. Because you handle every part of of what you're doing. So there's no alienation because you're not sort of outsourcing things. You're not, but also importantly, and this is, we're going to, I think this comes up a lot in the next section, but like a huge, huge aspect of work is the fact that you don't control a fucking ounce of it. Like I, is this in the next part? Cause I, yeah yeah, think, yeah yeah. this is like uh,
1: next jordan but, here, but, but, but here's my, thing, though. Here's my yeah. thing everything you're saying makes sense mm-hmm. my only question is this <laughs>
0: is that what he's i'm saying
1: yeah i'm not that that's exactly my point <laughs> yeah. i'm not actually sure that what he's saying is what you just said
0: okay I'm, So I'm, okay so
1: i and, and that's not because i disagree with you it's just that i read that sentence i hear your spiel and I'm saying, yeah, I think that makes sense. Checks out, but, but, I, but then I read saying. it again, and I'm like, I'm actually not sure that's what he's saying. Like, I,
0: I'm okay. What wait? Does not map for, on for, like for my edification? What else could he be saying there? Because I I can only read it through my lens. You know what I mean?
1: I mean, so that the more objects the worker produces, the fewer can he possess. I I just wasn't sure if that's with respect to say he is now putting greater hours into his work. And like he later expands on this, that mm-hmm. the more one puts into your work, the less of he is himself, right? Yeah. Like, so, but so he's unable to have kind of dominion over, um you know, things outside the sphere of work if he puts more of himself into his work, mm. So then he falls under the domination of his work at that point of the product Mm -hmm. of capital. So I'm not sure if this is like kind of a juxtaposition with respect to the more he puts himself into his work, the less he has outside of it versus like within the work itself, you're describing a situation that, you know um, you develop this new, whatever Mm -hmm. circuit breaker or whatever. And then that suddenly becomes in a sense, you can almost like, I I can almost like imagine like at your work, like what if like your other tasks dropped off and suddenly that was your sole priority
0: and you never get to work yourself out of stuff. You never do. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I I can see your point there. I'm just like, I'm just not sure exactly what he's talking about here.
0: I actually would just, I actually liked your other interpretation though. Like I kind of, I think it's, I think it's also true. Right. Okay. I, I just the life uh, being kind of consumed. Yeah. Outside and, work. And that yeah. comes up in the next section a lot, I think.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. But, but, it's just but unclear about what if that's what oh, he's saying. Oh, oh, yeah, but yeah. that's like that's this the point
1: though. Test, like I, yeah. I don't like I don't disagree with like the ideas. It's just like I'm never sure exactly what he's mm. talking about with a lot of this stuff. So
0: Yeah, I I honestly I think that the value of this is not in
1: the specifics. Yeah, I, I would yeah. never
0: I would never cite this as claim. Marx, eighteen forty four. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that that's where the value of this comes in. I this is a this is a postmodern esque claim that I rarely make, but I I honestly think the value of these kinds of things are in the eye of the beholder. Like, Mm -hmm. I I just wonder if I don't know. I don't because well, the other thing too is we're bringing a an a historical context to this in that we're interpreting it today. And he obviously couldn't have foreseen all of the ways in which this would be true or false today. But like I said, some of this most, like, the f- most fucked up thing about this is there are ways in which it's more true or like, or more sinisterly true in some ways. Yeah. Um, do, you want, do we want to go to the, to the next section? Where yeah, you, yeah, sure. let's do that. Okay. So he says, let us now take a closer look at objectification, which he defines as the production of the worker. And the estrangement, which he defines as the loss of the object of his product that this entails. So, okay. I kind of took him. Maybe what I'll do is I'll read two paragraphs and I'll say what I thought they meant. And then and then we can, I, I want to hear you guys' interpretation. So these are the second and third or, uh, um, or third and fourth paragraphs. If you count that snippet of the first on page three. Um. So he says, the more the worker appropriates the external world, sensuous nature, through his labor, the more he deprives himself of the means of life in two respects. Firstly, the sensuous external world becomes less and less an object belonging to his, his labor, a means of life of his labor. And secondly, it becomes less and less a means of life in the immediate sense, a means for the physical subsistence of the worker. So I took the first part to be kind of saying that you you don't work with sort of you don't work with the world as a whole you this is through this is the problem with specialization you focus on smaller and smaller and smaller parts and this is what i was talking about like you can't understand this adam in your current position because the like the best thing about your like the tutoring gig is you own all of it so you control all of it but when you work for like a massive corporation or some shit or you're like on the factory line in 1844 you're probably doing and actually the, the interesting thing is is that this problem has actually probably worsened since 19, since 1844 where you're doing a more and more and more specific thing like i would be willing to bet that most people on any given production line 99% of people on any given production line do not know how their part works with respect to the entire vehicle with the entire phone with the entire like all they know is their one part and where it fits in and that's it and so you're like carving nature up into just tinier and tinier pieces and i took the second part to be saying the problem is is that you're not actually engaging in the production of your own I mean, this comes up more in the manifesto, I think, but but you're not, you're not actually engaging in the production of your own things, your own food, your own shelter, your own resources. You're actually disconnecting in a narrower and narrower kind of slice, or you're going down like a deeper and deeper hole where you only like, think about like specialization in today's world. People, I mean, Adam, you and I have said this to each other before. You can live a middle-class life and know almost nothing about anything because yeah. because you can get turbo tax to do your taxes you can just like buy everything online y- you you show up to your job and you only have to know how this one component fits within these other. it's like you don't have to know anything whereas before i feel like i feel like this sounds pollyannish but you you actually had to be like a more well-rounded person previously to work in a factory? No, 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 no. I'm talking before Marx. Like you had to know multiple oh, crafts. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, I'm not, no, I, I agree with that. And I'm not glorifying it because obviously there are many, many, many ways in which I'd rather live in today's society, but that's not one of them.
1: You know, if you were a farmer, I mean,
0: <clears throat> yeah. even if your
1: you know knowledge domain was purely in farming, it's a pretty big knowledge domain. To it's be a honest, huge to have, knowledge domain to, to yeah. have like an understanding of like weather and seasons, and mm. you know. um
0: And and I have a friend, a friend's girlfriend whose family owns their own farm still. They're wheat farmers in Oregon, dude. It's like the coolest thing ever. I mean, they they live out in the middle of nowhere. There's hardly any cell reception, and they do every like they do everything. And it's so yeah. cool. It's so antiquated, been like a very you know like cool style. Yeah,
1: you have to be very knowledgeable. Yes, to, to run a farm. Yeah,
0: and those yeah. people don't know anything about computers. They don't know anything about economics. You know, but but they know so much more than the average person about like many many things
1: yeah yeah i agree
0: with that i uh do you want me to read the next paragraph
1: yeah read the next one because i i do a few questions about that exactly okay okay
0: okay he continues in these two respects then The worker becomes a slave of his object, firstly, in that he receives an object of labor, i.e. he receives work. This is where, I mean, he had me, I was like supple clay in his hands at that, because I'm going to pause and explain that part first. Um, Well, no, I'll continue. And secondly in that he receives means of subsistence. Firstly, then, so that he can exist as a worker and secondly, as a physical subject. The culmination of this slavery is that it is only as a worker that he can maintain himself as a physical subject and only as a physical subject that he is a worker. Okay, I was just, I mean, you know, it's like some, I was just like swooning at this point because I think if I'm reading him correct, he's, he's pointing out that like, holy shit, before, like I was talking about when you own a farm or something you actually interacted directly with resources with the land with your product and there's a ton of issues with that right but now you're given tasks to do and you're rewarded with money as a surrogate for actually working with resources and transforming those resources into a value you're you're alienated from all of that process at this point because You literally, if you work in an office job, it's fucking crazy to put it in, like, this is your life. You go to work, you open up your computer, you receive emails that tell you what you're going to do and when. You complete those tasks without the requirement that you understand where they fit into the larger company scheme at all. And then you get a direct deposit every two weeks. That is your entire life for 40 50 60 hours a week like you are you are alienated or estranged from the vast majority of of not only what you could be doing but what you actually do
1: Mm. yeah i actually don't disagree with any of that there i I especially liked the um the language that you pointed out there too like the Mm. he receives work i love because it it, because i i definitely like um phrasing there, which I still find to be true. I mean, obviously I don't have a job like that. Now I go out and get my own work. You're a farmer. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't actually receive work from anyone. I, um, I know I seek, I seek out, you know, work that I want to do. Um,
0: this this is why I want to go into philosophy. Like no one tells me what paper to write. You couldn't even do that. It doesn't even make sense. Like, I think being a professor generally, but honestly, just even a philosophy professor specifically is like, that is a current day job that has escaped a lot of these issues, I think. And obviously you have to do committee work and you have to, you know, it's a job. You have to do certain aspects of it that are not super fun. But like the core aspect of the job that allures me so much is it it is, it's, 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 it escapes a lot of these issues. I don't know.
1: I think there are actually a lot of... There's, like, a lot of jobs that... Being a
0: lawyer um, can be a lot like that, I was thinking.
1: I, I was thinking that, too, and even just, like, having a trade. Yeah. You know, like, like you know, knowing carpentry or, mm-hmm. you know, like, plumbing or whatever. I mean, you you go out I and mean, people will contact you obviously and say like, Hey, I need this done, but
0: ultimately it's up to you. You can accept the clientele or not. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it's up to you. So, um,
0: this is what I was and, talking about where there are sinister ways in which the middle realm of people actually are estranged and alienated in ways that the lower class aren't.
1: Yeah. I, it, it's like, um, there is an out to like these these horrible situations, like because people always kind of define it as like okay, well you're either you know working for someone or you die. It's like well you can in fact work on your own if you have something marketable. Yes, um, you know. If what do you think about this here?
2: I don't know. So when I first read like the paragraph we're talking about, like in these two respects, um, like I. You know, I generally think I agree, Um, but I mean, the caveat to this is like, it's like, yeah, like it's while you're doing, like while you're working is true that like only as a worker can he um, maintain himself as a physical subject and only as a physical subject that he is a worker, Um, but it doesn't necessarily destroy the prospect of him, you know, being a worker in the right way, right? Just not during time when he's, you know, employed.
0: Well, that that's the jab that he sets up for the overhand right that's coming next. But like, you know, even um, I mean, but but you you I don't think you're not saying you disagree that the vast. I think that this statement is undoubtedly true. The vast majority of jobs succumb gravely to that issue that he's pointing out uh, specifically that one receives work. And then receives means of subsistence instead of actually having any true interaction with the product.
2: Uh, it depends on like the interaction part, but I mean, generally, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's clear that it's it's a system where you know, labor is you know the input, and then the output is you know, money, which is you can be used for it needs to be used for sub uh, subsistence. I mean, yeah, like I don't disagree with like what you're saying. I guess it's just another. St- fact of like I just am reading through this and I'm not a hundred percent sure if that's what is being said by Marx or meant by Marx. Um if it's all you're saying is like yeah it it becomes you know drudgery like and the, the alienation is you know is clear. Um, but I just don't see it as I mean he treats it like the alienation part as like this a grave sin. And I think it has negative consequences. Um but I don't know. I feel like I'm at least the, thus far in the paper, it's just like hasn't hit yet, you know?
1: I think, I think I think I agreed more with the second paragraph that Jordan read, and I understood the first less. I wouldn't say I disagree, but I understood it less. Like I think that's fine. I mean I I okay, maybe this should be off the air, but uh I've killed a of, man. <laughs> no, I mean I mean this is kind of embarrassing. I'm I was ninety-nine point nine nine percent sure. Coming into this paper, I understand what the word "appropriate" means, uh, but but could we define that? That means to kind of uh, to like you know appropriate a culture or t- means to kind of like take as one's own, right? Yeah. So the more the worker takes the external world as one's own.
0: Wait, wait, where are um, you saying that? Yeah, was it? it, it like? It's
1: in the previous paragraph.
0: The more the worker appropriates the external world. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I guess yeah. I just like yeah. don't
1: understand this as much. Like, I, I mean, uh, so like the more he takes the external world as his own. <laughs>
0: this I is maybe it's like the that. previous two sentences. I, it, I think I got this because Marx uses appropriates. He he uses it in two different ways, and he doesn't specify. I think I, I could be way off on this because this is this is a really narrow point where he's saying like the worker is sort of instead of appropriate, it's like the the worker is sort of a parasite on the external world. Like we're, we're churning it up into things. Right. And there's two ways that you can do that. Like there's the way of the farmer, which is you're actually manipulating. This is what we're talking about, like the knowledge base, right? You can actually manipulate resources to create something of value, but then there's another way, this alienated way where you're still churning up kind of resources and you're 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 creating things but you don't have that same control that same understanding that same input as as the tradesman but then he goes on later in the paper i think to use appropriates as or maybe he's already done it um then he talks about uh labor or or work being appropriated from the worker so he uses it in two different ways in the paper he doesn't really make that clear Does does that clarify at all, or or am I like? Do I think? Do I seem? Well, I think it makes sense. This paragraph still remains a little confusing to me. Yeah, your
1: your explanations are always like okay. I I I never disagree with what you're saying. I'm always just wondering like, is that what he's saying? Yeah. Because like, I I don't know. I'm just reading this because, firstly, because I'm wondering how broad this term "external world" is here. Where it's like, okay, is the external world just kind of the world as interpreted by your senses based on the sensuous nature comment there or it's mm. like okay so therefore the external world as you perceive <laughs> becomes less and less an object belonging to your labor because you are less and less capable of manipulating the world um mm.
2: Yeah, it's, I, like I think he's definitely too. referring. You're referring like to the that. material world here, based yeah. on like two paragraphs back, where he, it is <laughs> the material in which his labor realizes itself, um, and then you know he's, he says, says sensuous nature. To me, he's basically describing. I mean, what I took it as is, you know, because through this system, he loses, you know, the object of his labor through his. um through the labor which requires like materials right yeah. the external world you kind of lose that as well it's kind of like a
0: it's, it's almost another point of perspective you have to have a right? marxist reading of marx <laughs> that i don't think I don't think
1: I, I, I don't think I understood any of that i i mean like i just yeah i i feel like
2: I think it's describing the relationship between the material world and yourself and how it's changed whenever you don't have access to the object of the labor. So it's not the object. It's not just the object that you lose. It's like the relationship with the entire world because of the materials required. That's how I read it.
0: Do you think do you think this do you think this is it or is this getting at a separate point? So the second and third, fourth, fifth lines, those bulleted lines. The, the second line he says the more value he creates, talking about the worker, the more worthless he becomes. And the fifth line is the more powerful the work, the more powerless the worker.
1: Yeah, if he if the value of his work in that case is very <laughs> high, he is almost like kind of held bondage. He's
0: like less free. Work. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it's it's not um it's ultimately not really within his capacity to stop doing that work. If the work is that important. Yeah. So, and I guess we can go, we we can go over some of like these little bullet points here, but I I don't know how much.
0: I even thought we could just
2: move on to the next section. They're either synonymous or completely rhetorical.
1: Well, I I definitely. Okay. But here, here's one I liked though. Let me go over. Okay. I I liked the one, the more civilized his object the more barbarous the worse. <laughs> I mean, think about how good that one is, right? I mean,
3: no,
2: enlighten me, because I actually don't understand that at all.
1: Well, I think, let, let's talk about Marx's period for a second, right? Sure. Think, think about in the mid-1800s, imagine they were just producing some of like those earliest, almost like animatronic dolls. You know how like some of like those, there were those... um almost like robotic dolls that kind of shocked people in that in the mid 1800s. Sure. some of like, you know, the, it was kind of the burgeoning technology of the period. Yeah. But, but think of like what an interesting and, you know, technologically, you know, profound thing being produced and then kind of juxtapose that to the people just like working in the factories, you know, Losing fingers and just working long hours of the day to produce covered in soot. Yeah, you know, yeah, to, no, and, I so I don't so disagree like, with that. But, but but almost like, uh but what what if you? uh Isn't that juxtaposition more barbarous than if they were just producing, say, toilet paper?
0: Yes, I I love that I, point. I, I don't
1: know. There, there's like a certain. um I mean, like, what if we like what's like the logical extreme? Well, where people the worker
0: just, is
2: barbarous in this case.
1: Yeah, so it, so isn't there something like a little more barbarous about, um, like the mining done in Africa for like the precious minerals for our yes. iPhones, as opposed to maybe like the mining <laughs> the involved, as opposed to like the mining involved for, uh, you know, say like just you know chairs in the area, right? It's like okay, we we need to like you know mine for specific minerals for you know, the simple chair the difference the there chairs. is
0: disturbing. Yes.
1: There is something disturbing about the end product and the work involved in the juxtaposition yes. there. Do you get what I mean?
2: Kind of. No? Just, I mean, I, I always get what you guys mean. I just don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's what he's saying. Like oh, it okay. just, it just seems like so vague. Like it, to me, it's, it's like a perspective. Like he's not really saying much of substance in these claims. I mean, it, it kind of, you can make, make it map on to like an observation of yours. But I just like, you know, I I always have to like (laughs) assume he means what is was like most pleasing to like thought that came to my mind. You know, that's kind of like how this entire paper goes. To be honest. Okay, so you're in my
1: you're in my camp at this point then with this paper, where it's. I think
2: so, but yeah, like I just like all of these things. Like you can say like do you agree with the following? And then you describe a scenario and I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, what you're saying like, makes sense, but it's not entailed by anything that he said. He didn't connect like his previous idea with the current one. It's just kind
0: of like statements thrown out. Some of which are going to resonate
2: and a lot of which are going to resonate. In fact,
0: yes, you know, that's a, an extremely valid point. But, but again, there is a way to really not ha- have a, a kind of poverty of reading this where it's just, you're reading it. I'm not saying you're doing this, but I'm just saying yeah. like, There is a way that you could read this where you're looking to falsify every claim and you're looking to see, And again, like I'm not saying that, but like I don't think that that's where I think I, I honestly, this is one of the only texts where I think the richness of this is just seeing how it obtains in your circumstances. I don't know. I wasn't as hot on it as
2: you were. I'm not sure if I'm hotter or less hot on it than Adam is quite I, yet.
0: Okay. Let's but, move to the next section Yeah, because we can keep going. I, I wrote multiple times. Yes. In all capitals on, for the next section. So he's going to talk about, I'll just uh, going into the next page. He says up, up to now, we have considered the estrangement, the alienation of the worker only from one aspect, i.e. his relationship to the products of his labor. But estrangement manifests itself not only in the result, but also in the act of production within the activity of production itself. So he is going to talk about the act of production, uh, estranging someone from themselves. So, <laughs> you know, because he, he's already talked about this one type of estrangement where you're creating something that has no relation to you and you don't manifest yourself in that thing whatsoever. Right. Excuse me. And and we already talked about how, you know, none of you shows up in the product for most people. Right. But this is going to get, he's actually going to get very, very much deeper here. He's pointing to the fact that you trim yourself down in the modern world to become this, simplistic version of you that is it, it itself is a tool so okay he asked at the beginning of the next section what constitutes the alienation of labor and he says firstly The fact that labor is external to the worker, i.e. does not belong to his essential being, that he therefore does not confirm himself in his work, but denies himself, feels miserable and not happy, does not develop free mental and physical energy, but mortifies his flesh and ruins his mind. Hence, the worker feels himself only when he is not working. When he is working, he does not feel himself. It's alien character is clearly demonstrated by the fact that as soon as no physical or other compulsion exists, it is shunned like the plague. I I had a yes in all capitals here and hearkening back to Bertrand Russell. I mean, <laughs> you do not get to be yourself at all when you're working to, to, again, various degrees, but it's because you yourself are actually a tool, right? And it's like this is Remember, we defined work for Russell as something that you would not do if you were not monetarily compensated for it. If we bring that in to this, dude, 90-something mm-hmm. 90, 90 percent of people would never touch, would never think about, would never do anything that they do for a job again if they were not getting paid for it. And that, like... That is, that's pretty fucked up. It's actually, I think that we're really, really accustomed and attend and just situated in reality, and we don't question how actually fucking crazy it is sometimes. But like, I, I don't know. There, there's like, it, it, it doesn't. It's like it doesn't even matter if if I do it or if someone else does. There's no part of me that like that remains in the product. And I think like in large part, because of that, because there's no individuality to most work that goes on, no one would ever do it again if they weren't paid to. Like, I I don't know. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Do you guys ever sit back and think like, that's actually kind of fucked. Well, yeah, I do. Um, I guess (laughs) this
2: is more of like a comment about what informed my perspective, but especially, you know, given that Mark's, you know, was, Part, you know, historian, I guess, mm-hmm. um, sought to explain like the process. It's like th- this is true. Like it says, his labor is forced, right? I mean, yes, that that you know seems largely true. But I'm trying to think of like you know even non alien work or like non alienated labor mm-hmm. seems like forced in some degree. If you're tying it to like you know um, subsistence, yes. So I, I'm. It's yeah. like yes, it's true. And like, if you can give me like the alternative magic land where that's not the case, it's like, okay, like that's fair. But if you're critiquing like the current system in light of
0: reality or like, you know, previous, it's like you you got to give me a little more, I guess. It's like, I disagree. I don't think you have to give any proposal in order to correctly diagnose an issue. No, no. I, I wasn't making like the claim I said, it was more like informing
2: my perspective about how oh, much okay, like okay, about, okay. It, about it. Like. Uh, mapped onto like my beliefs, I guess.
1: There's I also one. agree. I, I agree with Giffen there too, in the sense that I mean, I, I'm just kind of just spitballing right now, but I agree that it does seem to be actually kind of like a two-axis hmm. kind of, or more like more like a four-quadrant sort of um, categorization here, where it's like, yes, you can imagine non alienating alienating work that you wouldn't do other than the <laughs> fact that you're getting paid, right? I mean, it's
2: like, even if no. you're doing it yourself, like you're getting the full object, like if you're farming, yeah. if you're like a peasant and you like have a small plot of land and you're just, you yeah, like shearing? labor shearing? for yeah. turnips, yeah, you know, it's like this I wouldn't turnips are my substance. Yeah. If you yeah. just gave them a, the kind of same kind of choice that's being proposed here. No, you're not going to be, you know, breaking your back and your children's backs, sewing mm-hmm. turnips you know, seeds. And
1: I'd have to imagine like there are, you know, mechanical engineers, excuse me, that even though they're, you know, extremely alienated from their work, they might actually enjoy their jobs.
0: I was going to, I was going to get to know. So it's, yes, I was going to get to that where it's like, that to me is almost the, like, it's like the Nietzschean concept of the Resson d'Amon where it's like, you actually turn and embrace the thing that's, 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 that's oppressing you though. Like, (laughs) That that is where because here like I I've heard people say I would still do this even if I wasn't getting paid to do it about something that that, that statement seems obscene to me and honestly horrifying like, like like I'm that's I'm using that word for a reason like horrifying yeah. like if you didn't have if, if you didn't have to do this for work you would still do it that 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 is diagnostic of the fact that i think actually that that circles back on itself and and points to marx's point that you're destroying yourself actually like when when you reach those golden years that like honey pot of retirement you don't even you're not even a person anymore in large part like there there are people that i know who do not have hobbies who do not have interest, who work and, and come home and they're exhausted. And they just like, I mean, like, you know, think about just like the average American, like do the average American probably puts in, you know, more than an eight hour day, an hour, a half hour, an hour commute each way. They come home, they're fucking exhausted. They just get some like microwave TV dinner and they just watch TV until they just pass out and do it all again the next day. All for what? Like we even have that saying, like you're living for the weekend. It's like that should be like a horror gong, and like people, like really? Uh, because when the weekend comes, dude, you're fucking tired. Like you have other shit to do around the house. Like I, I don't know. I, I, I... And, and and I, and I think I think I agree with your point, and
1: I agree with Marx's point that I, I do think the, you know, the alienation, um, does play a role mm. in the unhappiness at work. Yes. Right? Yes. It's just that they're not perfectly linked.
0: Oh, of course. You no, know, so, so
1: you're right. Yeah. The the vast majority of people go to work that they don't like and the alienation and of the work leader. itself is a reason in <laughs> yes. that.
0: But you're right that he's talking about he's talking about that quadrant and he doesn't make it clear that there are the other quadrants. It's just those the vast minority of people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: What do you think of that, Given? Do you think that's fair?
0: It's not uh, roughly fair, yeah. Um, it
2: is a problem, like you know, or it is a factor that contributes to you know these problems that
0: we see. It, yeah, totally fair. He has the next quote. The result of all of this is that man, the worker feels that he is acting freely only in his animal functions, eating, drinking and procreating or at most in his dwelling and adornment while in his, while in his human functions, he is nothing more than animal dude. Like people, you know, there's this like um, Reddit that I've looked at a few times. It's like, it's r slash. uh, I hate anti-work. work, anti-work. Thank you, Giffen. It's been in the news. Dude, people literally take a shit at their jobs just to be themselves for a second, like let down that veil, just breathe. Like, and that is not only something that Amazon workers do. I I, it, I think, honestly, anyone who's listening to this who has just like some run-of-the-mill office job can relate to the fact that, dude, pe- people like just, take a little longer of a shit to just relax. And that, I don't know that I've done that. That's so fucked like that. It's, and again, the solution to this is not like to abolish private property or whatever, but I I, like, all I think is that he is, he is, I don't know. Like he's, he's hitting something on the head here.
1: Yeah. I think, I think uh, maybe part of it is that you're, you're fighting to maintain human functions. Yes. But I mean, I think the Amazon worker might just uh, shut down and just yeah, maintain yeah. animal functions at that point. Again,
0: so, a way in which that middle realm is sinister in ways that in ways that the lower ones aren't. Um, okay. Given, do, do you yeah. maintain animal
1: functions or human functions <laughs> at work? <laughs> They're mutually
2: exclusive, <laughs> so <laughs> so it's it's one or the other.
3: Like,
2: no, I, I get I I I mean I again like whenever we're discussing kind of these experiences, like I totally agree. Like I I can't disagree about any of these points. I've done the thing where you kind of sit in the restroom a little bit longer just to like you know eke out a little bit of a breathing a time. moment. Yes. Yeah, a little bit of like a. You no know, hobby just like kind of you know p- proper uh, some something that you had that like, caught your attention you were like googling something to learn something or checking like something you were interested in absolutely 100 and i agree about like the consequences but i think that's kind of like where his scope was successful and that's kind of like only where i thought it was successful in this paper is like it is easy especially if you're kind of in like the category of the audience um to map on some experience of something he says, Ooh. but it's the, it's this the series of things he says and their connections that aren't like a hundred percent there with me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that is very clear. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I think there's even there's even like a colloquial phrase like like there's like the you at work and the you at home. Or it's like, dude, that I I think it is deeply disturbing how unreflective people are about that standard. Like that you literally trim down who you are to get the job, to maintain the job. It's like, what is all this for? For like those fleeting moments after you've come home, you've done the laundry. Like they're just, you know, necessities of life you have to do. Like that panicked moment where you realize you have an hour and 45 minutes left before bed, but you're exhausted to fit in life. It's like, dude, Jesus Christ. I mean, like I I don't know that it's I, I'm disturbed at the lack of disturbance or pe- the the level to which people are disturbed about that yeah but like that fair. that really I mean dude I I don't know like I again I don't know what the answer is but like and you know what I think this is also Marx doesn't talk about this at all but. I think there's another way in which people are alienated from their rational faculties or their reflective selves where it's actually too painful for most people to realize or think about or, or accept that that is their reality. And so people just kind of shut down considerations of that because it's, it's too hard to change jobs or to actually find a fulfilling career. Cause I don't know, like Adam, you know, I've talked to us a thousand times, but like imagine just someone we, we know people like this you come out of college you get your first job you just you just start getting those like interesting corners of yourself shaved off a little bit and it's not that anyone is actually shaving them off but it's the fact that you don't use them they're like a muscle if you don't use that muscle it atrophies and people don't use sides of themselves in an office job or when they're loading trucks or driving trucks or whatever right and there's there's The idea that that muscle can survive until retirement, only being exercised in fleeting moments on the weekends. No, it's wrong. It doesn't work. I can know. know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know.
0: Dude, this is like, this honestly, like this, this, like it rung too true, but in a, a little bit of a cathartic way. I mean, given the hope that I will get accepted to a PhD program,
1: like <laughs> <Tonight>, denial <old friends.
0: laughs> oh Dude, I I would be like the depths of despair, given like especially the recency of reading this. But like, okay, yeah. d- d- do we want to? I had less thoughts about the next section, honestly. The the estrangement from species or, or species estrangement, species being. This was. <sighs> I had to Google this and then I had to re Google it. (laughs) I had to do a lot more interpretation on this. Uh, Yeah. And honestly, saying something. Because I've already done a fair bit. Yeah. I, okay. There's a very charitable reading, which I have already shown I am want to do, where I think that he's making an interesting point here. And and honestly, uh, it connects with me a little bit less than the previous points. But again, that could just be because of my particularity or particulars, right? Um, I, he does he says uh, it's going to be hard to actually quote from a lot of this but he, he says that man lives from nature i.e nature in his body and he must maintain a continuing dialogue with it if he is not to die so I, honestly this kind of made me think of brian um because i think brian would be very amenable to this like i was kind of trying to channel brian and i think he would say something like okay look like he, he would point out the fact that okay just consider that the vast majority of people are vitamin c deficient from lack of sun exposure or something right like P, he would point out the fact that people never go outside people never play pickup sports after they graduate college you never go hiking or go camping and when you do it's like very artificial right people like go to the beach but they'll stay in a hotel like they'll just sit on the sand with their eyes closed or like in a you know with like tanning lotion on like everything is very artificial and alienated from who we are as creatures right i I think brian would say like okay look like you gotta remember you're still an animal right like you you don't even have a body you are a body (laughs) like like and you know going on to page six i i almost think he's kind of making marx is an aristotelian function point here where it's like we're we're kind of as the types of creatures we are, we are naturally this thinking thing, this creative thing, or, or thing could be substitute for species there, right? And he's already talked about a lot of the ways in which alienation happens in those respects. But we're also, we're not, we're those things. But remember that he said, we're also animals, right? Like we literally are animals. And um, I don't know. I mean, you, 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 I think that he's kind of pointing to the fact that we through specialization again I'm I'm doing a lot of charitable bringing in from other sec- sections here but you do so little of your natural functions at this point that you are kind of alienating yourself from the type of creature you are. I don't know. That was my reading of it. Yeah, I mean I yeah, have that was part with of you. it.
1: That was definitely part of it. That was like the first half of it. Yes. Re- I stopped so, off at
0: the middle of page six.
1: Yeah. Because
0: that I wanted to get that part on the table. I mean, that, that seems like a fairly parsimonious reading of, of what he was saying.
1: Yeah, for the most part. I mean, it, it was also just kind of talking about just, you know, like what what differentiates us from, from yes. mere animals as well. And yes, um, we kind of betray those things like our, our creativity and our ability to produce yeah. is um, pretty much hindered. It's like, I think, that, I don't know where exactly where he says this, but he said, like, um, you know, only are we truly producing in a human way when we're not, you know, working at one of these jobs, right? So yeah, I have
0: like, a quote. I, I really liked that point. It's like, oh, that, that is kind of when you're the whole you in a way. Not to be like essentialist about it, but yeah, go ahead, Given. I was going to say this is the bottom of page five. This was a quote that I
2: underlined. Um, basically, he was using the comparison of like a a bee building like a nest. Mm. It says like they produce only uh, their Im- own immediate needs or those of their young. They produce only when immediate physical need compels them to do so. And then this is the important part: while man produces even when he is free from physical need, and truly produces only in freedom from such need. Mm, right, and yeah. like that seems like pretty fair. I think, <laughs> like, yeah, like the part that is kind of like difficult and that kind of invades the mind immediately, whenever you're reading this, is like <laughs> it's very hard to imagine a world like in true freedom from that kind of need, right? I don't, I wonder if it is that hard actually. I mean, like what? What? I mean, to me, <laughs> that's not, it's like sounds almost inconceivable.
1: It's, it's well, it's maybe, are you saying, like, inconceivable, like, at the societal level where everybody... Yeah, like, well, perfect. that, oh, okay, that's, okay, okay. okay, sure,
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, yeah. I don't know, like, what, what if people, like... Um... What about,
0: like, perfect AI? I mean, that not that kind of the promise of, of perfect AI? Uh, I actually have no idea what you're
2: talking about.
1: Well, I mean, so perfect, so the,
2: perfect artificial intelligence. We're talking
1: about like just like the cultivation of like crops and yeah,
0: uh, yeah, you know,
1: all performed by AI and just uh, yeah, you know, daily S- such that no
0: one has to do, but like, okay, just just grant that that's a possibility because I don't see any scientific reason to believe it's not right. So, uh, that seems like a fairly plausible because you know what's funny actually, I, I don't remember who said this, it was, I was some. Popular author, but the, the kind of fear inducing issue at that point is what people are actually struck with fear at that scenario, which, in a, in a way, that I think actually proves Marx's point. Like, people are so hollowed out from living in the world that we live in now that people don't know what they would do with themselves. Like, people don't know what they would do if they had 18, 20 hours a day where they could actually do whatever they wanted. Like to a microcosm of this is when you have a sudden day off, you know, uh, like a snow day back whenever, you know, in, in COVID, pre-COVID times, whenever like a lot of people, even with office jobs had to go into their office, dude, I would hear, or, or you you would hear of people where they're like, they actually expressed boredom with a free day or like they didn't know kind of what they, what they were going to do with themselves. Like you, you hear that phrase get thrown out. It's like, what? Like <laughs> what? There, there are like, there are at any given time And I think this is because, like, we happen to be, or I'll just speak for myself. Like, I happen to be young still. I happen not to be as, like, ground down by that system yet. There are a thousand things at any given time that I would like to be doing that I can't be doing right now. And the idea that it would induce fear to know that I didn't have to worry about the necessities or, like, or or money, I I cannot relate to that position, actually. So, so, fear of that, not that. That seems absurd. I think that's the majority of people above the age of thirty-five. Though,
2: I don't think. I mean, that's probably an exaggeration. Above,
0: I put money on that. Above, uh, above fifty percent of people. What if I make it forty? Dude, people, people don't know what to do when they fear.
2: If the word is fear, then no. Like there maybe some like uncertainty.
0: Would they admit it? No, no, no. But would they experience it? Yeah, dude. Do people, how often do people actually do in retirement what they've said they were going to do in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s? Almost never. Like, because it, it like proves Marx's point. Like pe- people just emerge from 50 years as, an, as a means to an end, just hollowed out without hobbies, without energy, without zest for life anymore. And people just, people just sit around waiting to die in retirement. A lot of the time, guess, again, he's not making, uh, he's not making a, like a whole claim here, but like a lot of the time. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people that do. Um, I think there's a, a good bit that do. But... It's just, it's just, it's hard to know. I mean, like I, 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 I
1: actually have to piss, but both my, <laughs> both my grandparents, um, I mean, like my, my mom's parents, I mean, right when they retired, they traveled to Japan. They, did, they like, managed not Korean to get hollowed out. Yeah. Yeah. Then like my did other they son, have like, jobs
0: that they liked. Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. they did. Okay.
2: They
0: did. Do they and own then, the means of production, or? Well, but again, no. it's not the, the quadrants. Remember, you could have. Yeah. So this yeah. This, this would be. And You're honestly, I I, I I actually player.
1: wouldn't call this alienating work either because
0: okay. does it, was, it matter if you say what they did?
1: No, they okay. uh they they worked at a, a private school, oh, so yeah. at, as as the superintendent. And um, Art teacher. So it's not alienating work. No. And it's happy work. So so there you go. Um, That would
2: not be alienating. I think that that's an exception. I,
1: I, I think if you're
2: using Marx's definition.
1: Yeah. Using Marx's definition. I don't think like, so say let's define what the product would be. So I think the product in that case would be the education that students receive and, the outcomes that students have Mm. post. um,
0: And even the effort you put into that is part of that too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think that's something that you directly put work into and then you see the effect that it has. Mm. So I don't think
0: given Mark's definition, that'd be too alienating. And there's a way in which it's, it's obviously not alienating because it's literally like a person to person interaction. Like you're not dealing with a cog or like you're not even actually dealing with a thing. Like you're dealing with other minds. Right. And then like, I I think it's, it's obvious if you just scale it up to the point where like you're a professor designing your own course on something like that, that is the least alienating labor that exists, I
1: think. Yeah. Cause at that point you're not really receiving work per se. I think actually um, you know, you might actually be receiving a little more work as a professor in that case. Than you would be even an art teacher at a high school, right? Because Maybe. as a professor, you might be doing research, right? But then they might come to you, the faculty, and say, hey, mm. we need you to teach this course. You know, like, true. okay, I've received this. You know, it's, it's a minimal amount of reception. You know what I mean? Like, you just true, true, them, true. you've been asked to teach a course, but then at that point, <laughs> you're free to design the course. But as an art teacher, you know, You're at you've simply been asked, you knew what you you signed up to teach art and you design your own curriculum to teach art. I don't Mm. think that's you know, I I wouldn't read that as receiving work, you know,
2: I agree. Marxist definition. I don't know. I I kind of do view it as that,
0: but what 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 would be alienated work then? Well, I mean, because it's easy to say everything's alienating, but like what what wouldn't be then? Well,
2: you would basically have to own, I mean, in his terminology, like the means of the production. So in this case, he, you're, these examples, they're employed still, right, by an employer, and they own the means of production. So in the case of an
0: unalienated work would be like the craftsmen. They, they kind you know, of don't own the means of production, though. Like they actually don't own your ability to teach. And they can't take that from you, actually. And they can't. Well, they can't take you know your ability to strike a hammer if you're in a factory either, right? No, no, they actually can. Real fast. Okay, okay. I think they can in the sense that that is something that is, like, look, look. look, If you teach, you have a certain pedagogy, right? And if I swap you out with someone else, it's going to be, it's going to be similar. In probably maybe even more ways than not, to how you would teach, or maybe even what you would teach, you know, getting up to like some upper level courses or whatever. But this is actually this is actually a point that I I was going to talk about, but it's it's germane to to this. Like the the very the very reason why intrusion of uh, using using robots or using algorithms to replace people is because people aren't actually at the locus of importance in many, many jobs, right? So if like, if you strike a, a nail into, you're on a production line, you just pound a nail and then move on. Sure. A robot can do that trivially easy and much better than you can, right? Sure. A robot cannot teach in that same way. Like, like we're actually running into like, that real issues with that with online learning and everything i mean everyone thought like you know moogs or um Courseras were going to be like you know the, the big thing and every you know right but like even we're, we're even finding that online learning doesn't even work as good as in-person learning so there's a way in which actually like the, the the um it might be kind of a quick and dirty heuristic to to how alienating your work is the extent to which your job can be automated right and, and I think a teacher position is is incredibly immune to that. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I, is it less alienating? I would say yes. I don't is think it, Adam said it's not it, alienating
2: at all. Well, you, you at least use the term immune from, like just now. Large, so I think it would, from. I so yeah, I think it's less alienating, but I still think it would be subject to his concern. Oh because yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
1: Which career specifically? The art teacher. About
2: teaching, oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, because they, because the. Are you, are you arguing Giffen that the, the school puts out like, I'm I'm just going to, it's like hypothetical, but the school puts out a notice saying we have work for an art teacher. Sure. And at that point, someone says, I can teach art. So they, they, at that point have received work from the school to Mm -hmm. teach art. So in that framework. So I think I get what you're going for there. I guess I just, the issue with that is like, if you, and I know you're just kind of using, you're saying this is what Marx would argue, you know, under sure. his framework. But it's like under that framework, as Jordan was just saying, like a professor, it's like, OK, you know, a university could say, you know, we are looking for someone to do biochemical research sure. broadly, broadly. Right. So Some, someone who has done a Ph.D. and postdoc and someone could come along and receive that work, quote unquote, Mm-hmm. But it's like, I almost feel like that, um, that framework doesn't work as well there. It's just kind of, it's like a weird
0: framework to even apply there. Yeah.
2: The object of the labor is very hard to
0: describe in cases of teaching. Th- there's also yeah. a huge difference in the fact that I-, I actually think that like accepting the job is, is the less important aspect of receiving of work as opposed to what happens, uh, how you acquire work once you're in the job right? Like a, if you're, you know, lecturing and, and answering students' questions and you're having this organic interaction, you are not receiving work in the same way or to the same degree that you are if you're opening up a laptop and you get an email that's like, do yeah. this by this date. Yeah. Organize the spreadsheets that you've organized
2: daily for the last 10 years, right? No, I like I, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I'm just saying, dude, I mean, he, Mark's, explicitly kind of ties the entire idea of estrangement as being straightforwardly direct, like um, brought on through the, you know, our current system involving private property. So, I mean, really subject to those, like if you're in like a system that has private property, really like he's going to say to some extent, you know, your labor is estranged.
0: Can can I, can we, that's all, that was
2: only my point is like, it's, all of these examples, like there's more and less alienating, and there's more and less, you know, desirable outside of the framework of alienation. But can I it's all subject here?
0: Uh, can I move on uh, down further down on page six to, uh, dude? This this point, I actually I actually thought about this for a minute, and it was deeply disturbing to me. He says uh, this is almost bottom of page six. Man's estrangement. Like all relationships of man to himself is realized and expressed only in a man's relationship to other men in the relationship of estranged labor. Each man therefore regards the other in accordance with the standard and the situation in which he as a worker finds himself. Dude, th- this was like deeply disturbing to me because this actually, this actually harkens back to the con- um, uh, uh, conflict as property paper. We, sh- and I thought this one, uh, N- Niels Christie, he, um i thought this was one of his best points where you know he points out that we are so specialized and isolated in today's society that we view people not actually as people but like as the roles they fill in society and marx is pointing to the same po- to the same issue where you actually see people even your fellow workers as their work roles as commodities in that way I just thought that part put me in like a very reflective state of mind, And and also he just points out how it puts you in an adversarial relationship with your coworkers. Right. Like when, uh, when you're, when, when people are at a job and they're just collecting a paycheck and they're, and they're succumbing to all of these issues, like alienation, they're just doing it. You know, the, the Bertrand Russell definition of work that, you know, you wouldn't be doing this if it were not for pay, right. You're just like, you're using people as a means to an end. You're just trying to get out of that day alive, essentially, in a lot of the cases. And it's just like, how can I use people as a tool to get out of these situations? And it's obviously not that explicit always, but he just he points out. I think he does a really good job of indicating how the incentive structures um, you know, re- really just break down in that way. Um I I I think we're I think we're getting to the, the less interesting aspects in my mind. I mean, if you guys disagree, but the, the one last point I wanted to bring up was you know, he, he the, kind of the, fi- the, the last concept of alienation, where he says, Let us now go on to see how the concept of estranged, alienated labor must express and present itself in reality. If the product of labor is alien to me and confronts me as an alien power, to whom does it belong then? to a being other than me. Who is this being, he asks. So he goes on to say, and I'll summarize him, he's kind of saying, it belongs to everyone, but really no one. Because he says, just as he creates his own production as a loss of reality, a punishment, and his own product as a loss, a product which does not belong to him. So he creates the domination of the non-producer over production and its product. Just as he estranges himself from himself, uh, his own activity, so he confers upon the stranger and activity which does not belong to him. And I I read that as like we're creating a vicious circle for ourselves, honestly. Like, everyone is alienating themselves, both from themselves, from their labor, from the fruits of their labor, and doing that is a harm to themselves, obviously, but it's a harm to other people because it's like... (laughs) I don't know, Marx is almost like throwing his hands up and being like, why are any of us doing this? Like, we can actually just have way better lives. Like, <laughs> this is the Russell point. Like, it, it, it is an incentive problem. It's a first mover problem. The person who actually just acts like themselves at work is like, it's like he, he's gone mad, get the gun. <laughs> it's like, why? It's like, we're all, we're all working 40, 50, 60 hours a week so that we can do X and it's all incremental or instrumental so that we can do Y so that we can finally do something we like, right? We're all like, it's the Russell concept of work for work's sake. Like this is supposed to improve our lives at some point, but when is that going to happen? Like when are people just going to take 10% off the gas pedal and just be like, all right, let's just chill and maybe play ping pong at lunch or something, like take like an extra 15 minutes and play ping pong at lunch. Like, th- this is where this begins to, to be like, where, where I was making that point at the very beginning, where I don't think that if you buy the problem or even the magnitude of the problem, that you have to buy his solution, because I don't, that private property should be abolished and everything, right? Like that, that doesn't logically follow. At the very least, it's like, what, what, what would happen if we just backed off the gas pedal 10%? And just try to enjoy our, our lives a little bit more. I mean, what is the point if you would never get to cash this check?
1: We'd be collectively enslaved by China. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that's We're just a global 10%. incentive problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, I don't know. Uh, that, that gets to the end of, of my real deep interest in this. If you guys had anything... I think from here on out, it's a little bit, he he, he it begins to turn into the upswing of his proposed solution a bit more. If we want to talk about that, we can. I, I'm just saying.
1: I think we can wrap it up here, but what yeah. I might want to do is we can maybe discuss the, uh, his solution on our own a little yeah. bit. Just, just yeah. like whenever we meet up or whatever. Because I, I, having gone through like the first eight pages now, I almost want to like tackle the last little bit on my own there. You know Mm. what I mean? And just see if I understand. Cause like, I feel like I understand this better now having gone through this. Um,
0: And I'll add to that. I it's plausible. And I think actually likely that my lack of interest in the last two pages or three pages is due to my lack of understanding them in large part. Yeah. I'm not sure that I understood the last two or three pages. Uh,
1: I'm not sure I did entirely. Out it. And that was for me, like the entire paper. Like I knew like the general,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, mean,
1: like, I, I mean, I got like the general concepts when reading through it and obviously I knew where he was going, but like, when I began to try to parse individual sentences, hmm. um, it became difficult. So, and I also think that, us parsing individual sentences throughout this paper gave me a better understanding of what he exactly he was trying to go for. So I think it was productive, very productive.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. I was so, going to say, I mean, from what I understand, I haven't read the Communist Manifesto. But from what I understand, it, it is sort of a more developed work than this and still fairly short to the point where we could just do it as an episode. I
1: think we have to read that next.
0: I think it would be that. improper not to.
1: Yeah, because if I it, think it would be. it's only like twenty-eight pages, it's not long. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I I would just want to hear a little more from him. I agree. Exactly. And, it, and it's, it's not something it's
2: that not, was actually published. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. Fever like, dream writing.
1: Because like I, I didn't I didn't dislike this paper. It's just hmm. that um, I mean I think I did initially, but I think going through it collectively, I liked it more than. So I thought there was a lot of sophistry to be honest. I, I, I didn't, I didn't like the, like the reflexive quotes um, where it was just like, you know, work is toil and toil is work. You know what I mean? It's like,
0: like constant... it a bit of self-congratulatory nature to that.
1: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't appreciate that writing style. And that was awful. no. no, no. So... Yeah,
2: no, I agree. I think I'm pretty much the same as where I was at first. Like the, everything that we would discuss separately, like, don't you ever have this experience? It's like, yeah, of course. But this is like the
0: paper itself. <laughs> don't you think the way he framed it could illuminate? I mean, it's you would admit, right, that there could be circumstances that one could be placed in where you actually don't recognize that you're in that for lack of someone, even in a very inchoate way, as Mark Marx does in this paper, gives you that bit of candle in the darkness. To be like, oh, shit, I... I'm actually, I'm actually curious if listeners have any of those experiences here, where it's like, wow, that actually, I was experiencing that, but until I heard even this very primordial way of laying it out, I didn't realize that that was the position I was in. Like, I, I think there's value to that, right? Even if he's not, I mean, right. yeah, I think there's value, but I think the problem
2: is it's the people who are reading it who are doing a lot of the work here. Yes, it's like, yes, you, th- you find something that roughly maps onto like. Mm -hmm. I mean, at some certain point, it's more like word recognition, right? It's like, you know, concept mapping.
0: You have to do like the whole work yourself. All I'm saying is, I don't think if you look at this in a, I don't know that I would say it's the proper light, but in a more generous light, like you would never say that about a Borges story, right? Where it's like, Borges is is clear. And again, obviously it's not a story. This is supposed to be like a critique, but I'm saying if you looked at a story with, you know, is this always a Bohr history? Like, is this always true? Is he like being clear about this? It's like, you, you know, it's, <laughs> no, it's no, no, of no, actually
2: sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm realizing when you're saying this, if we just kind of wrote down the stories that you guys gave it examples, that would be better than what we read here because it would illuminate exactly. It would be easier to map on. I and just, it be I, confused I, by his, like his four point of estrangement approach that the kind Myers, of <laughs> requires like Aristotle, Aristotelian, like species being concepts, the like, triple M man. I'm, I'm not even <laughs> like, I actually I think I do believe that it would be better just to have a list of ex, like experiences and say, like, don't you experience some of this and isn't it like you know concerning?
0: I, I disagree with that. I think that if if you had the best quotes from Marx, and then examples and say this is how it manifests in the present day that would be the best version of this oh i mean that would be the best but it would be better than the paper
2: we have here to just list the experiences
1: and it's also kind of i i with maybe
2: with the title of strange labor still that would be
1: also to be fair to giffen's point like um we did kind of skip around i mean you jordan you kind of like directed us like you'd be like okay here are two paragraphs on page four that I liked and we read those two paragraphs. And then while we were going through those, I read some of the other ones and I'm like, Oh yeah, this one was a load of nonsense. Like, like there were some of them that that were really just like,
0: yes, the ones we focused on
1: had a lot of good framing Mm. about, you know, just estranged labor, which I think (laughs) it was, that framing itself is new to me. right? And, yes. and it's, it's a good framing and a lot of the points he brings up are good, but there was a lot of chaff
0: in this paper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, I, I thought this would be my last thing I'll say. I, I actually thought there could be a better version of this paper where, and Giffen, I don't think this will ring true for you because you didn't read some of the earlier stuff that we did, but Adam, you remember we, we did uh, Death and the Absurd by Nagel? Of course. And Nagel has that very just classic style of writing where he merely presents a paradox in a way that you're pulled by both, uh, both, both stems of the incompatible claim. And then he just leaves you with that paradox. I think there's almost a way in which Marx could have done that with this, right? Where he's saying, and it might've been a better paper where he would just say, okay, look, this is a problem in the world, this estrangement of labor and estrangement in all the ways that we talked about. Yet, it's a paradox because we actually need the majority of people to have lives like this in order to have the level of comfort and security that we enjoy. Like, And just leave it at that paradox. I don't know. Like that, There, there is a way in which that, that could be an interesting paper too. Instead of, and, and maybe we'll understand more about this when we do the next episode with the Communist Manifesto, but it, like,
2: No, like I, I mean, whenever you like premise something with like, you know, it could have been a better paper. Like I, I agreed before you said it, (laughs) like like I knew you were going to present something like, sure. And I, I I didn't read the, the, um, the paper you were referencing, but that sounds like a, you know, a much better framing, just like presenting the things and leaving you with like the, the discomfort there. Mm. Um, but I guess like part of the example you were giving about like the paradox of like, you know, the modern life and like the modern s- state of the workers to me, I think like, what what is the thing that's kind of like resisting the interpretation is not necessarily a paradox. It's just a, you know, morbid trade off. Right. Yeah.
0: It would only be and a paradox the thing, like if we couldn't escape it. Right. Which we may, I mean, you know,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's way outside the scope of this, yeah. but, and, but yeah I, overall i, I his contribution it's a contribution i agree it's a contribution i do like the language some of the language like the idea of estrangement from labor that's good um You'll, you'll, the, the, you'll, the, you'll, the subcomponent
1: you'll, of the species. You're uh, damned to say yes.
0: two hundred years later, Marx is
1: vindicated <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On, yeah. on the podcast. it's like I, 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 I think gained it,
2: to validate his existence. It, it could be a one line <laughs> wiki entry,
3: but,
1: I, but this, this is close to me saying
0: that it could have been a TikTok.
1: Th- th- yeah. this is, <laughs>
0: You sign off that you this is has been allowed to exist the past two hundred years. I sign off
2: that he that there's a very useful framing. Yeah. I don't sign off for a lot of the any of the chaff, and it's a lot of chaff.
1: And you really have to imagine, like, um, I mean, obviously, Marx wasn't the you know the founder of communism. I mean, like the, that idea obviously preceded sure. Marx, but it's like no one had framed labor in this way before quite like no. you know the i mean so so it i and think it's a situated, genius way to frame it yeah so situated in that time period um you know it it is quite you know revolutionary
0: in that sense <laughs> she so, Is a, a an apt wording <laughs> yeah, given I mean, the given the topic yeah
1: yeah
0: all right well at the very least, I think we've we've given listeners a bit of anti-Jordan Peterson fodder. Right? I mean, having having nothing none- condensed down to just Peterson I, quotes I'll, and insults <laughs> you, on TikTok, you you, you want a deign from me in return? Given, I'll deign to say that if you've listened to this episode, you you may know more about Marx's original writing than Jordan Peterson. <laughs> it's it's a may claim that i'll sign off to but all right join us next time for what should be a discussion of the communist manifesto well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Plato's Cave. Um, I always enjoy discussing topics with uh, with these two guys. So if you want to um, support the show in any way, you can do so simply by sharing it. Uh, I'm hoping to get this show out to more people. Uh, and so if you want to share it on Twitter or social media, that would really help me. Uh, you can also rate it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Like this video if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe uh, via Apple Podcasts or an RSS feed. Uh, You can also discuss it on your own show and link back uh, to my website. Or you can connect me uh, with recommended guests or topics to cover. Uh, You can get in contact with me at Plato's Cave Podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Jordan underscore C underscore Myers. And I now have a website for my philosophy endeavors at jordanmyers.org. If you want to know a little bit more about me and my fellow co-hosts, as I said in the introduction, I'm a master's student in philosophy at the University of Houston. I did my undergrad at the University of Pittsburgh, where I studied mechanical engineering and philosophy. And now that I'm back at school, I'm hoping to more closely study uh, moral responsibility, free will, ethics, epistemology, and moral psychology. Those are topics that I was uh, introduced to and got really interested in in my undergrad work. So uh, Adam and Giffen accompanied me on this show. And Adam is uh, one of my oldest friends. We actually met in kindergarten um, and we've been interested in philosophical topics for as long as we can remember and in a lot of ways it's been the basis of our friendship. Uh, Adam studied chemistry and biology at Cornell and he is currently working at a law firm um, and he's especially interested in moral responsibility as well but also law, religion, and free will. Uh, Giffen is also one of my oldest friends and Uh, We've been friends since elementary school as well. Um, Giffen studied biology and economics at RPI, and now he works in human health research. Uh, He believes that there's very interesting overlap between both of his fields of study and philosophy, and he's particularly interested in exploring political philosophy. So this series was right up his alley. Um, And with, uh, with all of that information, Again, I hope that you enjoyed uh, this episode and I hope that you get in contact with me or or follow my work in any way that you uh, deem reasonable to do. So with that, thank you for listening.